0: The Sports, Sports Talk, Talk with Devin Wade, Devin Wade D- briefcast. Liking. Well, and Any given Sunday, anything
1: mm-hmm. can happen. What we
0: think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, and this time out doing a briefcast. When I come to you guys solo without the special teams unit, special teams unit being Eddie Robinson, the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, Biscuit, my brother Jordan, and of course, uh, Kalina from time to time, and uh, a host of others that are are frequent participants on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. On Briefcast, I'll come to you solo, but this is sort of a different edition in that we'll have an interview in the second half. Had a chance to talk to Ricky Winslow, a five Slammer Jammer fame. In addition to that, he was also a, a NBA player and a great overseas player, and he's the father of Justice Winslow of the Miami Heat. We talked about his son's progress, and we talked about uh, U of H, his alma mater, and we talked about his career and uh, his view on today's NBA, but that's coming up in the second half. And uh, I'm going to talk primarily about Colin Kaepernick. And what we will do is uh, I think we'll add one of the features that we do in full-fledged episodes. Uh, If you hadn't had a chance to listen to a full-fledged episode, please do so. Uh, We will be up to uh, episode 81. But if you want to go back, please listen to some of the features and some of the bits that we do to really stimulate the conversation and frame it in a different way to keep the conversation flowing in a very fun and I hope unique way for you guys. One of those features is the Lamont Award. And this time out, I will give out the Lamont Award. Working on some new features, some new ways to um, expand on the conversation and find our lane and find uh, a way to communicate in a way that you guys like it. Want to thank you guys so much for the love and support. And uh, hey, great things are coming. You can follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word, and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook are also available. Posted a poll question about Colin Kaepernick and uh, got some thoughts on that. In addition to that, I had a chance to talk about that this morning on the Houston Show. News broke late yesterday afternoon that Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed had settled their collusion uh, grievance with the NFL for an undisclosed, uh, would imagine, a large amount of money and it, you know, I, I I thought about this thing quite a bit and I think a lot of people have gotten lost in the fact that rightfully so Colin Kaepernick probably walked away with a lot of money. I'm talking about you hearing estimates. No one really knows yet. I think we will know, but no one knows yet, but you're talking between 50 and $80 million. And maybe that's a piece. I, I don't know. I know that it was certainly in the best interest of the NFL to settle with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, But here's, here's the deal. And, and this is as it stands today, my view may change. If, if something, if the other shoe drops, if some other things happen in relation to the settlement of this grievance, then I have the right to sort of alter my opinion. But as it stands today, I feel like we should never, ever compare Colin Kaepernick to Muhammad Ali ever again. Colin got paid and should have gotten paid, but what are you really fighting for? And I was really hoping that Colin would challenge the NFL and take him to court and expose those emails and phone calls and phone records to prove the collusion once and for all, which again, we know what's going on, but what if he just settled and no other shoe is dropped in this situation? What has he really accomplished for the next man who wants to take a stand? For the next man who does not have a, uh, that has a political view that may, may be uh, the polar opposite of what the uh, the 32 owners believe in. What have you done to make this situation better? Now, again, we don't know this, but as it stands, people are primarily talking about the money, the financial settlement, and he should have gotten paid for being blackballed. But I really thought as a leader of a movement, which again, he's never really assumed and that's sort of been my problem with him all along. Now, Kevin Allen and I and, and Ralph Cooper and I, we got into a, a you know a discussion about this. And I think Kevin was of the mindset that, yeah, get your money, be quiet, don't say anything. And, of course, you'll be taken care of. And the NFL will take care of you because you're hitting them in their pocketbook. But my thing about that entire situation is that this is not just about him. He's getting paid from Nike. And, again, I don't want to count his coins, but – I just think that if you're fighting for something bigger, take it just go, take it to the limit. Let's find out everything. Let's get a behind-the-scenes look at exactly what they did systemically and how they did it and prove that they did, in fact, collude. Now, as it stands, there's a, a non-disclosure clause, so nobody on either side can talk about it, although these things have a tendency to leak out. But as it stands, we don't know anything about it, and I just think that The NFL was not forced to admit that they were wrong. Now, it feels wrong. It's just absolutely wrong that he didn't get a chance to play. Because, again, you you know, for me, I I naively believe, because I never really, really on this level seen a guy sort of blackballed in this way. Now, you heard stories of Dwayne Thomas back in the day of the Dallas Cowboys and, and other players with other organizations for this reason or that, but nothing on this larger scale. I always thought that uh, talent was a great equalizer in this situation. I'm really disappointed that they blackballed him in the first place. I was shocked by that, but I'm also disappointed that after you take a stand that you know is going to make all hell break loose, you sort of then retreat into some sort of uh Cone of silence other than some cryptic messages on Twitter and maybe some not so cryptic messages on Twitter. No major interviews, no press conferences, nothing to get the word out uh, other than what you said initially. And I think that you let a lot of people. uh, He got a lot of people revved up and and for a great cause. Talking about uh, police brutality and some of the things that are happening systemically uh, with law enforcement around the country. But again, and I know that the narrative was just snatched away from him and it got to be ridiculous. But that's why that was all the more reason that he needed to speak up and speak out. And I thought that he never assumed the position. Everybody wanted to make him a modern day martyr, uh, a modern day uh, uh, Muhammad Ali. And, And this clearly is not a Muhammad Ali situation. Now, again, maybe I'm being naive, but Muhammad Ali, this wasn't about money for him. And I know initially that taking a knee was not about the money for Colin, but Colin is making anywhere from 90 to 120 million dollars. If you look at the Nike numbers and also uh, uh, what he may have gotten in a settlement with the NFL, Ali stood for what he believed in. And he spoke about it and spoke up each and every time he had an opportunity to speak, to speak out loud, to, to have a microphone in his face. And he was banished from his sport at the height of his earning potential for three years so, Colin, you know, he took the hit, and I'm, I'm not opposed to him getting money, but I would have liked to see seen him uh, show us behind the mask of the shield, behind the shield, not the mask, but the shield. Show us behind the shield. Let's see what that, the ugly truth. Because, look, I've been covering the NFL for 25, 30, well, 25, 25, around about 25 years where well, I've been around NFL locker rooms, been around NFL players gotten to see some of the things that go on behind the scenes from a player perspective, never from a a ownership perspective, but talking of retired players and players who were in their prime and how things transpired in their careers and some of the moves that these organizations make. And there's a reality there, but this was a ugly, ugly chapter for the NFL. Now we debated about this, whether or not Colin Kaepernick would have an opportunity to play now, on one hand, I sort of think that this is a ugly chapter. The NFL will wipe its hands up and that they will just say, "Hey, we're done with this chapter. We're done with him." I think that maybe in the language of the settlement, he may have agreed to not play. No matter what. I've heard some rumors to the contrary that yeah, he still wants to play. I don't know what the situation is behind the scenes and what the agreement is. But I don't – I just don't think and, – and I hope that I'm wrong on this situation. I just don't think the NFL will want to deal with it again. Now, he's already said before previously, and I would imagine he's going to stick to this, that he does not plan to kneel again if he's back in the league. But I do think that the people that hated him before and what they made him represent, not what he represented, but what they perceived him to represent and what they made him the face of, those people are still out there. And they're they going to protest and make noise and hate him just as much as they did before he ever did protest. The difference is I don't think Donald Trump will have much say so moving forward. And I mean, all you have to do is look at his poll numbers and he's preoccupied with a national emergency that uh, requires him to play golf the very next day. So yeah, whatever on that whole front. So, but I don't think the fear factor from Donald Trump's comments will be as sort of uh, scary for the NFL at this point. So while I do think there's room to have him play and maybe there's a, an agreement that he will get an opportunity. I, I don't know. Eric Reed signed his three year deal. So he's good. But again, he only missed uh, ultimately three or four games. He just didn't get the big contract that he should have gotten for a player of his caliber. Uh, but he got, he was see part of a settlement too. And he seemed to be a lot more militant than anybody uh, other than sort of Colin Kaepernick. I know that he and uh, Malcolm Jenkins got into it, and that was a whole thing. But I'll tell you this he is a soldier and i don't know what they did to uh, make him happy a very smart thoughtful person and uh, we'll have to see how this thing plays out but i just don't think that colin did the right thing in this situation although yeah he the victory was his in that he did get a financial settlement the NFL was not forced to say anything about their behavior, not forced to make any really systemic changes that we know of. Nothing else is in place for the, the, to prevent the NFL from doing the same thing to the next guy who stands up. Now, you can debate whether or not uh, he should have taken a stance in the first place. We can go back and forth on that. I talked about this for the better part of a year and a half, two years, so this has been a topic of conversation and I've been pretty clear on how I've stood on the entire situation, but I do think that they conspired against him and that was a bad thing, but I wanted to break this thing up and really show these guys for who they are. But they get to hide behind a big paycheck. And I would believe, I believe that it had to be a very large paycheck for the NFL to rid themselves of that. But you're talking maybe three, $4 million of franchises, 32 franchises Uh, I would imagine this whole thing got done for under $3 million of franchise. I would imagine. I could be wrong. Like I said, I think indications will come forth at some point. I don't know who's going to be the person uh, that will uh, out the the terms of the agreement, but you got to believe somebody's going to leak it, uh, and we'll get more information. But the NFL did a great job of dumping this story, what they call it, the Friday dump where they dump all this important news late on a Friday where nobody can really comment on it until two or three days later. And Now, we had a chance to talk about it because we have a Saturday show, but the big-name guys, uh, the Shannon Sharps and the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, uh, they won't have a chance to talk about this until Monday morning other than maybe on social media, but the NFL wins again. People say, well, is it a win or a loss for the NFL? I think this is a huge victory. For the NFL, it's it's just big because again, you didn't have to admit that you were wrong. You didn't have to, as it stands now, you didn't have to fundamentally change the way you do business, and you get to do whatever you want, and don't you don't really get punished for it. And I know, you know, three or four million dollars, yeah, a franchise is punishment, but not for these guys. We're talking about billionaires, so. Uh, some billionaires and, and and you know million multi 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 millionaires. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt these guys at a time where they are almost printing money. So we'll have to see what happens. I posed a question on Facebook that would uh, for those who boycotted would this bring them back to the NFL? And by a majority vote, they said no, they will not come back. Maybe that will change if Colin Kaepernick is actually in uniform. But it just dug up a lot of very ugly things. For me, I never boycotted the entire situation. A, because I understood, and he understood, that when he took the stance that he took, that he may not ever play again. He knew that, and he understood that. Uh, and, and that was his choice. But at the same time, there's so many things in our society that really are wrong, and are bigger wrongs than to have a huge fit uh, over the nfl i mean and and again i have to also say hey yeah i'm a sports talk show host and it's my first love football is my first love so saying all of that it, it's gonna take uh, it would take a whole lot for me to walk away from the nfl even though i cannot stand the way they do things and we clearly know now that uh i mean the the views of some of the owners the late uh bob mcnair for one and the attitude the general attitude of a guy like jerry jones Uh, So we'll have to see how this entire thing plays out. Please hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word with your thoughts. In addition to that, please hit me on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But again, I have the right to reserve, uh, you know, to, to change my mind. I reserve the right to change my mind because we may find out that there are some things in place. Uh, as a part of this agreement that I don't know of yet, but I don't—I just think that you, yeah, he won, but we didn't. And, and you know, I thought that he won personally, but and, and again, he never has stepped up to be the leader. And, and Kevin always says, "Well, maybe he's just not. Everybody's not built that way." But you have to know when you take that stance that there are going to be consequences, and you're going to have to step up. I don't know that he thought it through to understand that it will be as big as it is, but. I think he's reaping the financial benefits of this thing. And I know he's a guy that has put his money where his mouth is. He has been, he's walked the walk, so to speak. So I'm I'm not, I'm not downing him totally, but I just think, man, what are you fighting for? Were you fighting for the money or are you fighting to get back in the league? Are you fighting for, for a greater cause? And I don't think that he did anything uh, to damage the NFL from that standpoint. I don't think a, a settlement here is is nearly as damaging as it would have been to reveal emails and voicemails and text messages uh, between different owners. I thought that that was where you were really going to find some things out. But that's a Pandora's box that uh, 32 billionaires were not or multi-millionaires were not going to let happen. So with that, going to take a time out, come back on the other side with the Lamont Award, but first, a conversation with former NBA player, former Five Slammer Jammer guard Ricky Winslow. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, briefcast on iTunes. Tune in, SoundCloud. Or wherever you get your podcast. All aboard your non-stop getaway to the weekend. It's the Friday Express with yours truly Devin Wade, each and every Friday from 7 PM until 10, where we feature a little bit of this. A little bit of this. Oh,
1: let's see.
0: And a whole lot of it. End your work week and start your weekend with your nonstop getaway to the weekend. The Friday Express with Devin Wade exclusively on KTSU 90.9, your community station. Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Uh, as promised, I have a conversation with Ricky Winslow. And, uh, you know, I have a special, special place in my heart for Five Slam and Gemma. And I think it came at the right time, at the right age for me. And I just, I mean, I have never had my heart broken as much. But I don't know that I ever have loved the team as much as I loved those teams in 83 and 84. And even the 82 team. That lost to uh, Michael Jordan and James Worthy and Sam Perkins in the Final Four. U of H went to three Final Fours. And one of the guys who played on the last Final Four team in 1984 is Ricky Winslow. Have to uh, sort of uh, ask you guys to bear with me. Had some audio issues. And I don't want it to distract too much from the interview. So I'm aware that there's some distortions in there. And we tried to fix a lot of those up. But please, uh, we had some technical difficulties. So uh, I hope that you can get through this and uh, really enjoy what I thought was a great conversation. Here's my conversation with Ricky Winslow. Joined now by former NBA player and overseas and from Five Slammer Jammer, Ricky Winslow. Good afternoon, Ricky. How are you? I'm doing fine. How you guys doing? Great. I mean, so good to uh, talk to you again. You've been on the the Houston show locally and uh, now you're doing the podcast. And of course, we certainly appreciate that. A lot going on. Let's start with your alma mater. Right now, U of H number nine in the country. Life is good if you uh, if you're a cougar, huh? Talk about that.
1: Yeah, life is great. I mean, uh, the Cougars are doing really well. You know, it's been a while since they've been in the top ten, and because you know it's just great for the community as well. You know, uh, the kids are playing great. They got a good a good lineup there, and uh, Coach Sampson is doing a, a great
0: job. Now, how connected are you still with the program, or do you go around? Have you been to Fatita Center? Have you how much do you spend? How much time do you spend around the program?
1: I still go around the Fatita Center and um, speak to the guys and. Uh, you know, kind of encourage the guys on on the next game and things like that. Shooting the text every now and
0: then. So what's been the key for them turning things around over the U of H? I think a lot of it has to do with staffing and they're keeping some of the, the home
1: players at home and that's a big thing too and, and, and the atmosphere is really great too. And, and You know, it took them a while to get the Pachita going but you know, Texas Southern was there for him, and he was able to, to use Texas Southern Jump, and uh, Coach Samuelson did a great job in grooming them At Texas Southern, he going into the postseason.
0: It's just incredible, man. That unbelievable is
1: unbelievable. Uh, guys are playing great, man. Uh, Brooks is doing well, you know, outside shooting that jumper. So, hey, uh, they're doing well. I-, I look for them to do big things this year in the tournament.
0: Yeah, I heard the Cincinnati coach say that that's the most talented team that they've played this year and a big win they had Sunday. How far do you think this team can go? Of course, last year they had the heartbreak at the last second uh, to Michigan, and then Michigan goes all the way to do what they did uh, in the tournament. How good can this uh, 2019 version uh, of the Cougs be in the tournament?
1: I look forward to the teams too because they, they play great defense. A lot of times, you know, a lot of teams that are really good, they don't get noticed for the defense. You know, they, they play really well defense, and they're, they're really under control. So um, they run the offense really well. Uh, when Coach Thompson see that they're getting out of control a little bit, you know, you get them back under control. And, and they're a great defensive-minded team, and that's a big plus because you can get a lot of uh, big steals and big plays off the defensive end, and then when the guys are knocking down shots, they can go a long way.
0: Well, for those of us who've been around for a while, we understand the significance and the celebrity that was Five Slam Majama. How do those guys relate to that? Do, I mean, do they? I mean, do, how much do they know? The current Cougars know about really how huge this program was and how big this was, not only uh, locally but nationally. I mean, legendary teams. How much do these kids sort of uh, know in, uh, about those years?
1: I think they know. I think they just, I think they know, and, and, and in the recognition uh, nationwide is, a, is, is big, is a plus. I just think that they want to make their own identity. That's what's big now with with the university. You know, we was great with Bosh Lama Jam and a lot of the kids know who we are. Some of them don't know who we are, but, you know, you know, you can call out of those names and you ask some of the kids who are they, and some of them probably wouldn't know, but they have set a good example for the university and the community. Guys are, guys, are playing well. I think, I think in time. Sometimes when you look back at some of those guys that played, and you like it's incredible. Once you're in University, and you see how, how, how amazing the cruise was with Boston Majamas, especially to go back to back. That's one of the hardest things to do in the world. I think with the kids nowadays, they want to make their own identity. And I think they got the group to do that right, man. So, uh, you know, they push everything for the city, and that's a great thing because they want everybody to be involved with the wins that they get for the city and bring the community together. And I think it's great. And Coach Thompson is doing a wonderful job bringing everybody together. And I think they're going to be doing a tremendous job in the
0: tournament. Well you have a, a unique celebrity you're sort of famous in in like uh, three different compartments I mean obviously for what you get overseas you 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 were really renowned uh, overseas of course, with your association and your time uh, being on five slam Majama and as the father of Justice Winslow now uh, talk a little bit about how sort of weird that is to be famous in three different really arenas.
1: I just think um, uh, home. If I come and play in the first time a German playing in NBA, that's that's great. And then taking my, my roots and taking my career over to Europe was great because I blossom over in Europe. I wish it was today's game. I would love to come back and play in the NBA. But a lot of times when teams wanted to sign me, I was under contract. So, uh, but uh, I won't give anything up in the world for the thing, the experience that I experienced with the different cultures from from spain you know going to the final four in spain and then also going to the final four in turkey so i was in spain for for five and a half years at the club of estudiantes and we you know we had one of those teams to where we just knew each other so well and uh we we, we played great defense as well and it, it was an incredible time in spain and also when i went over to turkey we also uh went back to the final four fs Pearson. so i mean my career was
0: great. The only lovely
1: thing about I just wish I could have showed the fans and the different people here in the states just how well and how developed I became over in Europe, and it was it was special. So
0: yeah, with U of H, how many uh, people still recognize you uh, with the, well, from Fast Lane Gym? Oh, a lot, a lot of people.
1: I mean, uh, here in Houston, I mean, it's, it's tremendous because you, you can't really go from the grocery store to where we going to the games and. When I'm in university something, I'm I'm recognized all the time. So, you know, every time I think I step out, uh, somebody recognized me from playing basketball and so, you know, it's great. It's a great feeling.
0: Now, you, of course, you're the father of Justice Winslow, and he is, is his career is now doing better than ever. I want to ask you some aspects about uh, being a father to an NBA player, and then I do want to ask you about Justice. Now, I've been sort of really getting after a lot of behavior in the NBA that's not Grown man, like I went on a rant oh, about uh, Kevin Durant and and that guys doing things like having that agents call in sick for him or, or Blake Griffin not shaking hands with uh, his former team owner Steam Balmer, because he was upset about being traded. Little things like that, and, and and even Durant not able to answer answer questions about free agency when the whole world wants to know where he's going to go next year. I'm not seeing a lot of maturity and a lot, a lot of behavior like from. You know, young men who act like men, as opposed to uh, the NBA of the past. What do you see when you look at today's modern NBA player?
1: Well, I think the 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 game
0: has changed. Uh, To me, to to me, the game in the NBA is a lot more like.
1: The European game that I played over in Europe, the development of the game, uh, you know, now we're shooting a lot of three-pointers, but I think the European game, compared to the game, today, was a lot more physical. The, the European game was more physical to, like guys when Charles Barkley played, when the game Charles Barkley most Malone, along, guys like that, Elijah won. The game was more physical in the paint, now nice, it's more of a finesse name, to, a game. Uh, back to you know some of the guys. You know, sometimes in the league you got certain aspects and certain rules that you want to abide by. Sometimes you don't want to mention certain things. So, uh, you got some guys that try to abide by those rules, and you know, just try to be clever about it because you know you got to look out for being fine and, and different things like that and different natures of the game, and and you got to be careful about saying different things with uh, different clubs or uh, uh, people thinking that you're trying to give a hint to somewhere that you want to go to team and things like that so you got it's it's really difficult so you got to kind of you got to be yourself but you got to kind of watch what you're saying as well
0: yeah uh, and it just seems to me how do you feel as a sort of an old school player to see these guys sort of uh convene and and a guy like lebron kind of uh, you know call some shots about you know putting teams together uh, how do you how do you view that as a, a former player well, I
1: think that should be handled. Kind of, uh, that should be kind of, how uh, by management. But um, different things that happen, especially when you're as big as LeBron. You know, you can do different things. You can you can set the tone. I mean, you get a couple guys on that team with you, and you can get the day a couple more guys. And hey, you may be hey you may be a you may be a, in a, in the championship, or you may make the semis. Who knows? You know. Uh, but you just got it. You just kind of got to be careful. Uh, uh, you know, back in the day, a lot of guys. You know, I, you know, when I was in Chicago, it, it's just different things. You got to kind of. Be careful with, you know, with Michael. Michael always, uh, Michael Jordan. he always kind of said the, the right thing. Now you got guys that, you know, you you got your own words from social media, this and that. You can kind of say whatever you want to say, but you still got to be kind of careful about it. But back in the day, you know, you had guys that was just straight media guys, you know. You, you wasn't getting anything out besides just that. Now you got social media, so you got to really be, be careful about what you're saying especially in a tremendous league like the
0: NBA. Yeah, you know, when you look at it, uh, I mean, would you have been the, the, the type of player to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to get uh, all of these guys to come play with me or I'm going to go join a championship team? Uh, I mean, because it seems to me that you guys have, in your era was or more about confrontation and I'm going to beat this guy. I don't, I'm not going to play with him. Yeah. I'm going to beat him. Exactly. Is, am exactly. I right about that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, back in the day we we was more about we, we wanted to we wanted to develop our own our own team, bring it all together. We didn't want to kind of be with with that special guy. If he came to Chicago. you wanted to build with Chicago and be a championship there. You didn't want to, you know, go to the Lakers and let's let bring uh, Durant from Golden State or let's bring uh, another great player to LA as well and then develop it from there. I think uh we was we was just crazy. we want we want to really iron, you know what I'm saying? We want to iron a championship, even though you still gotta go through it and get that win and get that championship. But when you but when you stick like a to me kinda of like a Russell sticking in Oklahoma, uh uh Horden stay staying set in with the Rockets, we just trying to build on that, build on that team, build it up to where you're a champion. And it, and it takes time. I mean, sometimes you get a hard run at it and then it's hard to get back and that's what a lot of people don't really understand. It's, it's really difficult so you know, guys start to come together and build build these dynasty teams, you know, where you get three to four uh, all star players on a team together and, and try and then you gotta then you gotta make sure the chemistry is there. Sometimes when you get all those guys, you got the chemistry is not there and, and that's one of the things you have to really, really work on that chemistry.
0: Well, I want to shift gears and ask you about your son, Justice. Uh, Now, since, uh, what, the early December when he moved to uh, point guard for Miami, I mean, everybody's been raving about his play. Uh, Even saw an article where they talked about, hey, Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam sort of look to him as the future leader of that Miami Heat locker room. Uh, Things are looking really, really great. The numbers are better than he's uh, had in his NBA career. Talk a little bit about the progress of your son, Justice.
1: Oh, I think Justin is doing, is doing really well. He has adapted, uh, I think, to the game. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's playing at, at point guard, is really his uh, position. So, uh, you know, back when he was in high school, he basically played point guard. When he uh, played AAU ball, he was point guard with Kelly and all those guys and Fox Young. He was still at point guard. I think, I think it's true his position because he's played before so well, and he's such an intelligent player. Uh, you know, it takes a while sometimes to, you know, take your bumps and bruises until you really, really, really figure it out. And I think Justice has really figured it out. And he's such an intelligent player. And he, the one thing that a lot of people don't know, if you're not close to him, he really works really, really hard. I mean, what you see is, is his work in and time and time. And he gets in the gym. I mean, sometimes he goes to the gym and nobody says just to get up shot You know, he, he has worked tremendously hard on, on the things that he has accomplish uh, with his game, and I'm just truly really proud of him as a father because uh, I've seen where he came from, but he's at a place now to where he can go forward and be the leader of the mind. Heat, and those guys who are Wade and happen they really respect him because they see how hard he works. You're only going to get that from a, a veteran player when they see him put in the time, so I think the guys of the mind he even see him put in the time to see where he's at now, and I mean, he's playing, he's playing really great, he's really bringing the team along with Roger got right now, and... Playing the point guard and then run the offense. I love to see him where he's at now. I think he has a big future
0: in the NBA as point guard. Now, when you you talk about one of the things they talk about is his intensity and him playing on the edge. He even commented on that sort of from an emotional standpoint. Are you were you guys similar players or is he different? For, does he differ from the way you play uh, from an emotional and, and an intensity standpoint? <laughs>
1: player uh I, I think I was a more athletic player uh when when you when you're playing a game especially when you're in, in the in the NBA you gotta you gotta figure out other ways to score because when you' you got guys right next to you just as good as you. On the same level, so you got to kind of figure it out. How can I score? How can I get to the basket and finish without a dunk? How can I finish on guys? How can I get a guy up an and under and get a jump shot in? Uh, Pushing it, in, uh, push it in, in transition, how can I stay under control and get to the basket or create a shot for somebody else? So I think he has taken that part of the game with that point guard, and he's going about on the court to another level. So I think he has, he has... We're different in that as part of the game. You know, I played point guard in high school, so he got a lot of DNA in him. A lot of things I can t- I tell him that you know you haven't even developed yet, and I see it coming out of him now. So uh, I mean, he has a long way to go, but I think he can be an All Star type player. I mean, keep working uh, how he works. He would definitely be an All Star player, and uh, he, he's just a smart guy. And, uh, he he kind of figured it, he figured it out, and it, it, it's it's really great. Also, when you got an NBA legend aligning with D Wade, guys like that that really talk to him in different situations and happen. Guys that and been there. guys that and been through it. You can't really throw anything. So you know, Justin's a smart guy, so he really picked they brain all the time because you know he's 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 such an intelligent player. So. Uh, I think that's going to put him on a whole nother level, especially at point guard because you're really running the show. And so you just got to pick your times to score and different things and keep everybody involved. But uh, I I think the future of him with the Heat, uh, he can take to the next level and he can be a leader on that team.
0: And you, he hadn't had, of course, a top-ten pick, uh, and he didn't get off to the start that a lot of people thought he might have. And now he's starting to turn into that player. But for the first part of his career, as it, he didn't uh, perform to the level that they wanted him to, or maybe people anticipated. How, how was the mental journey? What were you telling him to keep his head in the game and, and to get him to where he is now, like you said, on the cusp of really uh, elevating his game to all-star level? Uh, what did you tell him throughout this process?
1: Well, I just think a lot of it is, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the game, you know, people expect, you know, you can't, they expect you to come in, but you got to realize, too, the first year when Just came in and made the playoff, you know, he, he went from playing power forward at Duke and and, and three to playing power forward in the NBA. Thank his guys, that's a lot stronger than him. So, you know, he's a really versatile guy, but you, the, the NBA, you got to be mentally strong. What I always tell him is be mentally strong and uh, powerful and on the court. You know, a lot of times, you know, he, he being a lot a lot tougher on the court, but you got to smile and enjoy and release some of that stress and energy while you're on the court and just play and be happy. That's where you can do whatever you really want to do on the court. So you can't really play angry or anything like that. So I think he didn't kind of adjust it now. I think he's not, uh, he didn't kind of figure it out. Uh, even being in certain positions, you know, one, uh, even being at the three-way, you, you're in the offense but you're in the corner a lot. You can put a lot of guys in that corner and when the ball comes to you, you know, like, He's so hard but he's knocked down shots sometimes under pressure. And sometimes, you know, what uh, you keep working on, it, and he gets you on another level. But he he not stuck with it. He kept working with it. And then, you know, when you put in a position to uh, succeed, he had he played almost every position for the heat but center. So, so that's saying big things. So and, and then you get thrown back into your prime position at point guard. And now you're just seeing success from him. I mean, I'm, I'm just proud of him because, you know, we have been through it. You played every position before. But uh, so that's what you well you really basically know every every position, everything you' do on the court, you know you figure the different things out, so you know, I'm just fine. But he came a long way uh sometimes you don't see the grind you know you know he he comes in here to Houston, and like last year he came in and he 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 was he would be in the gym twelve o'clock at night, you know, he would be him and his him and his guys, his guys and his brother, you know they update. You know, they'll figure it out being right sometimes. We'll hit Rice and being there at 12, sometimes we'll hit St. John's uh, 10 to 10 at night. You know, he works hard and that's what drives him is the ability to work. So when you have a guy that that works hard, you can develop anything. That's what I say. When you got a kid that has a great work ethic, you got a player. So one thing I love about not I'm to too. The DNA he has you know, he has to do. he has something that he works really, really hard and he's a really good intelligent player and I I look at him and do big things. I I think right now, you know, they are sitting a little bit under five hundred, but I think after the off stuff break, uh, they are kinda of put it together and I think they'll probably finish around, around six or sixty seven. So, uh I look for him to do big things and uh, He's one committed hard-working guy, and he's a, uh, he puts in the work. So, I mean, that's one thing like I can say, and I love about him. He put in the time, and it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot. It just don't happen overnight, and he ain't came a long way. So, uh, I'm looking for him to do good things. Because right now, he's in a comfort zone right now, so where you can't really tell him, you know, you're looking at him now, he's knocking down three after three. So, he had a great game last night against Golden State, you know, but they lost about two points. But you can see kind of, you can, you can improve the improvement in the game and the confidence, so. I love that about him right now, and he's playing with a lot of confidence, and getting a lot of guys involved, and being a leader.
0: Couple things before we let one or two more questions before we let you get out of here. Uh, it seems like the organization seems really committed to him. How good does that feel for you as a father, and how good is, how, how good does that make him feel? And obviously, this is a business, so things can change overnight. But this organization seems to really be uh, on board with him. He seems to be entrenched in Miami. How wonderful is that to, to uh, know that the team is is backing justice like that. Uh,
1: it feels great when you know somebody is, that, when you know that you fit, when you know that organization wants you and you, and, and, and it's nothing like somebody wanting you. And when somebody's wanting you and something, you can call home and you can go on it. And you had a lot of great guys around and they see it too. So it's just like, you know, like guys see the work that you put in. So that's why guys believe that you could be a leader of a franchise or a team. I'm just proud of him because you know when you look back, he came a long way. And so when you look back, you gotta be thankful for the different things that you have, and you know because success, you know success. Sometimes you, you gotta go through a lot just to get there. And I'm just proud of he, the way he he went about doing and where he's at now, and I think he's really stable with the heat. And they they love him because of the work he put in, and it's uh, to move from the different districts, like I said to be running point now at point guard. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, uh, with the ball handling and all of that there and the coordination and the ability to see and make his other other teammates better is a great thing. And, and I always tell him, don't take different things for granted. And, and it's, right now he's he seizing the moment. And so, uh, I think guys, can limit. I'm just to have a good breakout year, end of the year, and next year be a really, really breakout year. So, uh, so yeah,
0: I'm yeah, very proud of him as a father. Yeah, I know Dwayne Wade is about to shut it down, and maybe Udonis Haslam as well. Uh, you, right now, like I said, they're re- hovering right at the eighth spot. You think they can get as high as six? You you, you feel like uh, – Yeah, I think so.
1: I think so. I, you know, you kind of shut it down after the All-Star break, and you focus on getting to the playoffs. and and uh, I think they'll kind of settle down. You know, they they had a trade that came in. You know, they, they, they lost uh, uh, Tyler Johnson uh, in the trade to Phoenix. So I think right now they're kind of settling down, and, and the, the team is kind of coming together. Waiters was injured, but now he's kind of settling in. So I look to finish around sixth place. So uh, And and maybe next year maybe they can move that up to maybe fourth place. But uh, I think they, they have a, a great shot uh, to move into around round sixth place.
0: And finally, before I get out of here, you know, I do the Houston show with uh, Kevin Allen and the, the Silver Fox and Ralph Cooper, and, uh, you know, they always go back and forth about Worthing versus Yates. Uh, I'll give you opportunity <laughs> to represent your Yates Lions because I know uh, Kevin Allen and Chili Bill Smith, those guys uh, love those Yates Lions. Any comments for all your, your Yates alumni out there that oh hear this podcast? hey. hey, hey.
1: Hey, I'm, I'm from I'm
0: from Fairway Yates now, and hey, I'm proud of you know where we're in Kane from Yates. You know, we had an incredible team when I played, and uh, Yates is doing well now. And uh, you, hey, have you been over seeing the, the the school? Uh, I've been, I've, yeah, I've been. Well, you know, we're just right right around the corner. I haven't been inside, but yeah, I see the brand new Yates. It's a it's a whole new look uh, at, for the school, and a lot of folks have been excited about the transformation over there.
1: Yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's great. You know, I when I was there, I was in the School of Communication, and, and it was a beautiful thing just to, to get over there and the great teachers that they had at Yates. And now, Miss uh, Tiffany really out to the gallery, she's the principal now, and she's doing a great job. I get over there every once in a while and kind of touch base, see how things are going. And and uh, right now, it's, it's it's going well. You, you know, uh, it was a thing, you know, I told my, my son, you know, uh, here at St. John's, you know, they retired his number, so you know they're supposed to retire me and Michael Young number
0: this year. <laughs> oh wow! When is that going to be? So like, when that uh, hey, when that happens, you got to come in studio for us. Okay,
1: I'll let you know. But uh, right now, it's a good feeling. You know, I, you know, I love you know the community. I love Yakes. I like I like to go in and just you know be a mentor to someone kids and just kind of strive the kids in the right direction. So, you know, I'm, you know, since I've been here, I've also been working my foundation around the community. And that's one thing I like to see. I like to see the kids succeed and get to the next
0: level. Uh, If folks want to reach out to you on social media, anything, any, uh, uh, if want to get some, you know, partake in maybe having you come speak or something, how can folks reach you on social media?
1: They can go to, I have a Facebook page, they can go to my Facebook page or either they can Instagram, you know, any one of those is fine. You know, Facebook is cool, you can just hit me on my Facebook page or, or whatever and then we can try to set up
0: something. Hey, well, thank you so much for spending time with us. Of course, so uh, as the playoffs get started, we uh, we may have to get you. Well, I, I definitely want to get you in when they retire you and Michael Young. I'm maybe get both of you guys in uh, to talk about that. Because one thing about Yates, the it, the Yates folks stick together. I don't care if you went there in the '40s or if you went there, you know, last year. Yates people are. I mean, they support the you know JY. They they really do.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they why I mean, Yates. You know, Yates is an incredible school. I mean, the neighborhood around it is, is good. And you know, we stick together when you when you're right and when you're wrong. You know, you that old Sam and care that personal grandma say, you know, you know you was wrong, you know, you know, and then once you leave that business, you, you know you really was wrong. I just wanna let you know now, but that stuff put you through it. So that's the way you gotta
0: be it. Yeah. <laughs> hey well thanks so much and continue success for Justice. And maybe we can get uh, both of you guys in the studio in the off season and uh he can have a chance to come over to uh your old stomping grounds right across from Yates High School. So we certainly appreciate and, and, uh, Hey, we appreciate you and, and continue success. All
1: right, I appreciate it. And, uh, keep doing a great job in the community, man. Cause I listen to you and
0: do a great job. Hey, Amen. Thank you so much. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And again, bear with me on the, uh, the technical issues with this. And I have to tell you guys, like doing the podcast, of course, it's coming from the world of radio, where I just come in show up and their engineers on staff and if there's a problem you call the engineer and boom it's fixed well you go from producing in your own home studio which i did invest um, a little bit of money for you you have to learn i mean when you produce these things it's one-stop shopping it's just you 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 have to get the equipment you have to be the sound engineer you have to do uh promotions and, and all of those things i just am not i don't do nearly as much and that's why it's a wonder to me that the podcast is doing doing as well as it is because I don't get out there and and sort of beat my own drum. Uh, But I'm so fortunate that you guys do it on my behalf. But as a a, a budding sound engineer, I have to learn these things. I have to learn. And I'm just, it's just so hard for me to sit down and really uh, read manuals and learn how to work all of these things. I have never, I've been in radio forever, never have taken an interest in that side. I just want to show up, plug in, uh, my headphones and go to work, turn the mic on and let's do it. And, you know, but this, uh, podcast experience has been really, really, uh, a, a, an opener for me because again, you have to do everything from the business side to from the sound engineering side, uh, to of course booking guests. And, uh, we'll have some great producers. I hope some great young producers help us out with in that department, uh, as well. So we'll have to see how that goes. But right now I want to, uh, do a feature that we do on full-fledged episodes. This is the Lamana Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. with no lifeboat and no life preserver and a school of piranha surrounding you. You big pick- now the Lamont award recipient is a big dummy. So we give this out to sort of recognize some foolishness. And there are a lot of candidates who could have received this time out. And because we haven't come to you with full fledged episodes, I missed the opportunity to give out a couple of Lamont awards to some big dummies in the world of sports. But this time out, it is a guy who's probably been identified as a big dummy before, in Floyd Mayweather Jr. Now, of course, many of you have seen the sweater made by Gucci that resembles blackface. And blackface, I, I never knew that this was such a thing in certain circles of the, the white population i just i didn't know maybe this is a virginia thing i didn't know of course i'm talking about uh northern in uh, virginia the governor of virginia and then uh, uh, two or three people in leadership in the state of virginia and of course you the megan kelly whole thing i mean i mean I, i'm brutally aware of the history of blackface so i'm not Unaware of black, I just didn't know that many people in contemporary American society have have done it, have made this a thing. and Gucci really toned it, made a. I mean, you talk about the wrong timing for a blackface sweater. And again, they didn't see it that way. But if you see the model's picture, I don't think it's. You can see where yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. It's not it's not a good look. And I don't, I'm sure maybe it wasn't the intent, but it shows a racial insensitivity that continues to rear its ugly head. You can call it political correctness, uh, but no, you, come on. I mean, you have to, somebody in the room has to say, no, no, no. They need somebody from South Park, Texas in the room. They need somebody from, from Detroit. They need somebody from from the Lower Knight-Wood in New Orleans. They need somebody in the room to say, Hell no. What are you doing? Well, they did it. And there was a boycott by several celebrities trying to do a three month boycott of Gucci. And since the African American population are such huge consumers of, a, of many, many things, not the least of which is apparel. I think they wanted to make an economic impact on Gucci and affect their bottom line and say, Hey, you need to check yourselves and, uh, you know, get it together. well, in the midst of all of this, Floyd Mayweather goes and drops $200,000 on Gucci. And that's fine. Uh, well, no, it's not fine. Because, again, that you're tone deaf and you're not listening to uh, your brothers. And I, And even if you don't believe in boycotts or whatever, just to blatantly disregard that at that time in front of cameras and uh, you know the world is watching because the world's watching everything these days i thought that was really really stupid on his part and he essentially says i'm a grown-ass man i can do what the f i want and yeah you can you earn the money you have uh, uh, convinced the public that you are somehow an exciting fighter when clearly many folks who are in and around the world of boxing, understanding that you cannot compare to some of the greats in your division, let alone in the sport of boxing, but you fool some people enough to make hundreds of millions, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And rightfully so good for you, bully, bully, you made the money and, and that's fine. But, to diss people who have legitimate have who legitimately are affected. Now whether or not you believe some of these celebrities are or not, there are people who when they see these things, it, it I mean it's a it's a sustain. Even for me and I'm not the most sensitive person, but it's a sting to see this kind of thing. It's a one of those shake my head kind of moments that happens and, and happening with more frequency, at least these days, under this climate created by the president. You have to understand the life and times we live in. And even if you were going to do that, to go out and just so blatantly poo poo on everybody who wants to make a company do the right thing by. Showing some financial restraint and, and hitting Gucci in their pockets to just blow them off because you could do what you want to do, it, it displays the sort of ignorance that has, you has consistently come. From the team Mayweather, team money, the money team. And I just think that he's not a dumb guy when it comes to business and self-promotion. He probably is one of the smartest ever to navigate uh, his career in the world of boxing to maximize his earning potential. So he's not a dumb person. I just think that he is a ignorant person in this situation he's ignoring the pain and suffering of his own people even if you don't believe don't don't they spit on their gesture don't do that that's just not cool that's a dummy move and for all these people who spend all this money on you uh you are really disrespecting those people too because there are a lot of black faces and a lot of people who were stung by the image Uh, Of a something as small as a sweater, but given the the climate we live in, yeah, those sorts of things add up. And I just think it's a situation where, come on, Floyd, you got to do better, man. But, hey, for that reason, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) That will wrap things up for this briefcast. And, of course, want you to tune in for episode 81 whenever we're able to get it up. I think we'll get with Eddie next week, uh, maybe even Biscuit. but. Uh, we want to do more episodes. We're at the All-Star Break. There's so much we want to get into Haven't gotten into Anthony Davis the way I want to, the Dale Demp situation. A lot of stuff going on that I want to get involved with and I want to comment on. I want to hear from you guys as well. Anything you want us to talk about, please be sure to hit me up at Wade's Word and on Facebook, Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. Hey, want to thank you guys. want to thank Ricky Winslow. And as always, have a great day.